Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis, where we invite you into honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season three. Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis. So grateful that you are joining us for this episode, and it's celebration month. We are spending the entire month of October celebrating the release of my new book, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect, How Transparency Leads to Transformation. I just want to say thank you guys again for all your support this month, uh, for getting the word out there, for buying the book, for sharing the book, for leaving a review. It has made such a huge difference, and so thank you guys so much. And the first week of October, Trish and I kicked off the month talking about the book and talking about authenticity and how that is the pathway to transformation. The next week, uh, the second week of October, we had Carlos and Heather Whitaker on the podcast. And so if you haven't heard that episode, it is rich and just full of great content. You can go back and listen to that. Then last Tuesday, we released a podcast episode with our son, Micah Davis, and he talked about his new book, which released on October 17th called Trailblazers and discovering God's purpose and plan for your life. And that was a great episode and we're super proud as parents. But this episode is not going to be Justin and Trish. It's going to be Justin and Justin. And no, I am not dual personality. We are welcoming our friend Justin Holiday to the show this week. And Justin is an NBA basketball player. He's played in the league for 11 years. And he spent three and a half seasons with the Indiana Pacers. And that's when I got to know him. And he's become a good friend of our family. And he was kind enough to sit down and talk about faith and talk about the NBA and talk about marriage and, and all the, the challenges that come by being a professional athlete and living out your faith. And it's a very amazing episode that I know you're going to be blessed with. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Justin Holiday. Well, hey, Justin, thanks so much for uh, being with me on this podcast. Typically, Trish and I host this together, um, but she's like, you know, you're such a fanboy of Justin Holiday. Why don't you go ahead and, and do it by yourself? So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with me uh, on, on this podcast. We're celebrating kind of the release of my book, and I, I, uh, I've been texting you for quite a while trying to get you on the podcast, so I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no, no problem. And next time we can have Trish, I want to meet her, so we'll... <laughs> You know, it'd be fun. Maybe well, I can get my wife. My wife is busy too, so. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Well, you have young kids and, and uh, you have a busy lifestyle. But for those of you that don't know Justin, uh, he is a 12-year NBA veteran. Uh, he's a world 11 years. This will be my 11th. 13 okay. is a professional though, all together. So we're in, you're in the mix. You're in the, 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 the between. You're good. <laughs> I picked the median. I went right yeah, in the middle. Right, at the, right in the middle. But world champion with the Golden State Warriors, is that right? Yeah, still. And uh, most importantly, you're a husband and a father, and uh, way more than a basketball player. And yeah. um, I don't have time to get into how our stories kind of in our lives intersected, but grateful that it did. You're one of my favorite Pacers uh, from a few years ago. Played. I think were you here three years or four years? I was here about three. I, I, I signed for the one year, and I signed three years after that, and I got traded in the second of that three-year deal, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But for the listeners of the podcast that may not be familiar with your story, um, your NBA career has been filled with some really amazing things, right? NBA championships, but it hasn't always been an easy journey. Um, kind of share a little bit about kind of 
how you started. And I mean, you went overseas. I mean, you, you, you've really kind of been through the grind of the NBA. Um, yeah. tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about kind of your story. Yeah. I'll try to give you as quick as I possibly can, a little overview of kind of start to finish to my professional career. Um, I pretty much done everything as a basketball player uh, as far as playing other than in the NBA, other than having a 10 day or a two way contract because two way contracts didn't count. So I played in the D league at the time it was the D league. That's how much older I am than other people. Cause it's D league now. <laughs> I played in the D league. Uh, I went on training camp invites, um, made team, made a team through training camp. I've been cut four times. Uh, I've been traded. Ooh, I've been traded seven. That's just on top of my head. I could be wrong. My wife knows for sure. Seven times I've played <laughs> for, or been a part of officially eleven NBA teams. Uh, wow. Been overseas two separate years in two different countries. So yeah, man, I've done it. I've done it all. Um, a lot of quote unquote failures, um, but at the same time. Uh, a lot of success and um and I don't say success in the sense of like you know I did it, but like a lot of success of, as in God one doing God's work, doing what he has me to do, and two, you know, doing things well at my job. Um, you know, being successful in how I prepare, successful in understanding this is which is as big to me, understanding uh what life is truly about, um, what my life is truly about, who I am. Uh and not what I do. I think that's a big success to figure that out when I when I did. It took me some time, but I got there. So yeah, been around, played for a whole lot of teams, had some great seasons, had some tough seasons, a whole bunch of ups and downs. What has been kind of the biggest adjustment for you? Because basketball starts out as a sport, right? It starts out as recreation, as fun, as a mm -hmm. hobby, as something that you enjoy. How do you make that transition into this is a profession, this is a business, it, something that's very personal, you can't take personally when you, when you get cut or when you are traded or, you know, you have these people who promise you things and then they don't come, come through with their promises. Like, how, how do you, how did you make that transition? Yeah, uh, I mean, you're kind of forced to figure it out, unfortunately. Uh, and it took some years of me being in the NBA. Uh, before I was able to, but yeah, that's the one thing, you know, being in the NBA you miss is it just being the game that you're going to play and have a good time doing. Uh, mm. Not too much pressure on how great you play or how great you don't play, um, how many points you score, how many mistakes you make. Um, and shoot, the big key in the NBA to, to figure out is how can you get yourself to that point, even though those pressures are there even though everybody cares about accolades and how well you should or how well you did this or that, how can you get yourself to be in a, um, we like to call it like a, a state of flow to where you just have peace about what's going on uh, in the game. And that could be you playing, not playing, you know, being cut, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, it took time. It's taken time. It's still continual on how to deal with that. Um, and it does, it is tough and does suck at times that it is a business, but at the same time, you know, you get paid to do this job as well. So it's a right. double-edged sword and yeah. not necessarily negative, but it could be double-edged positive. It could be a positive side, yeah, and a, a negative side to it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of God for sure. A lot of understanding mm-hmm. who Jesus is. Um, a lot of understanding who I am in, in Jesus, in the Lord, uh, yeah. which helps. And then I actually had to, you know, use other people, which is something I didn't do much as a younger uh, player or younger person. I started getting, um, you know, from therapists and counselors, the sports therapists, all that type of stuff, um, mentors and things like that to help um, talk through uh, and pray through uh have outside looking in type of just different things, man. So many people I've used and still use to this day have communicated with uh, that helped me to keep my head on straight because at the end of the day, I believe everybody to some extent f- falls short to what you want to do or think you should, you, you're, you should be doing. And I mean, like, you know, going into a game, like I have, had, I've had games, I've scored 38 points and in my head, I still fell short. Dang, mm-hmm. I missed those two free throws. I probably made that three, I would have four, you know, that type of stuff. So yeah, yep. you're always, it's like, how can you get yourself to being in a space of speaking positively about yourself and, neg- and not negatively? Um, right. Being real with what's in front of you and not over-exaggerating. There's just so many different things I've learned. And uh, just trying to find that peace though and doing this job is something I eventually have learned, but it was like you, you were forced to either just stay in the, a tough place, work through it and keep fighting through it or eventually uh, figure out a way to deal with it and improve. And I did both of those things. So you, you mean you've been pretty outspoken, not outspoken, like in a bad way, but you've been pretty upfront about your, your person of faith. You have a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Did that start like did that start when you were in high school? Like, did you really kind of come into your own uh, relationship with Christ in college? Like what, what does your faith journey look like? Well, I grew up in the church, so I've always, we've always gone to church. We've, we've always, and that, when I say we, I mean my whole family. So there's four children, uh, myself, Drew, our sister, Lauren, and then Aaron, um, and then both of my parents, Sean and Toya, and they raised us in the church. Um, when we were young, I was born in California. I was born in the Valley, LA area, and then we moved to Russell, Louisiana, which I think was huge for us. Uh, it was a very, very small town, and we were kind of raised in a bubble, a Christian bubble, which sounds probably miserable to some people when they think about Christians. But for us, it was a whole bunch of Christians that loved one another, um, were there for one another, uh, went to church with the same kids I ended up going to school with. Like, It wasn't really like we had much of outside influence as far as um, much of anything that didn't have to do with God. Um, and right. Fortunately enough, we had a great experience in doing that. We had great people around us, uh, great people that we consider family uh, that we still know to this day. And so we lived in Ruston from, I was five, about five to nine, and moved back to California. And then moving back to California, it was like, boom, you're out of that bubble. And you know how you know people talk about LA and how they get everything further. It's just like, that's the place where, dude, I, I, I remember the only person I really heard cuss before then was my grandfather, maybe. And when I got mm. to California, I'm coming home from school. Like, mom, all the kids are cussing. Like, it was just a whole new thing. But we had that base in knowing the word, being raised in the word, being raised a certain way, listening to certain things, not listening to certain things, being able to watch, you know, the whole, I guess you could say, quote, unquote, Christian upbringing. Um, right. That, you know, in the word it says, you know, uh, raise your kids in the way they're supposed to go. And it li- that literally was that time in Ruston. From five to nine, we're still young that actually helped me for the rest of my life and kind of being able to 
know the way we were supposed to go about doing things. And then obviously going to church still, uh, learning and, and uh, just a different type of youth groups, camps, uh, my parents as well, and growing up. Um, so I was always in the church. Um, and I always was a kid that liked to be different. And like I like to be like I was like stubbornly different. Like I like like I liked it so much. Like if everybody was doing one thing, I was like I wasn't doing it. And for whatever <laughs> reason, that made me with 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 faith and believing in the Lord and being a Christian. So many people were against it that that kind of helped me in my faith. To be like, no, this is because so many people don't want to do it. For some reason, that shows me that this is the right way. For yeah. some reason, this is how it made sense to me. Don't ask me how. This is how it worked. And so in being like that, there was a lot of things that you know. Well, reading the Bible and the, and the things God asked for us, I was able to do because, you know, I, I was I was also a kid that really liked to listen and do what I was supposed to be doing, like to my parents' standpoint. Like I would tell myself if I got in trouble or like, I was just like that. And I know you're probably- Are you the oldest? Me, yeah, I'm the oldest. So, yeah. Well, that I, makes sense. Yeah, yeah makes I'm the sense. oldest trait. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm supposed to live like this, live like this. So it was a little easier for me to do what was right. Um, and I, again, thankful for that because through college and everything, I was able to conduct myself in a way that allowed me to, uh, one, protect me from certain things, uh, that could have been a lot to deal with, a lot to do, a lot to get over, um, as well as keep me going in the right direction and improving my faith with the Lord. And then there was seven years ago, seven or eight years ago, my plane landed the first time was the first time was probably one of the hardest years of my life. Um, mm. basketball and from a faith standpoint to where it was the first time I actually questioned my faith and to where okay. I had to absolutely follow the Lord because I wanted to and went because I was raised by it or somebody else said so. Now I feel like yeah. I really, really, really had to figure out what I was going to do. And so that time was when it really, really, really got serious as far as like I was afraid, but I knew the word. So it was, it was weird. Like I went, I had this phone that I wrote all the stuff in, negative or not. And I wrote like, there was some dark stuff, but I, I wrote it all down. Um, and I remember like being on, on, almost on both sides of the fence. Not, I always, I still believed because I knew it was real. But at the same time, I was like, it was just so many questions I had. And, yeah. I, and I, like I said, I never questioned God until that point. Was there uh, external circumstances? Was it the yes. way that the season was going? Was it, was, it relational? Uh, just won the just won the won the ring in uh, with the Warriors. Okay, and signed a two year deal with Atlanta, and pretty much got there and ended up not playing me. Uh, I ended up wearing a suit all year, essentially. Oh, so wow. not understanding that, going through all of that, um, just was hard on me, you know. Yeah. And, Again, I guess also me not even understanding the NBA, you know, because now if I knew what I knew now, it would have made a little more sense because the NBA doesn't necessarily work in the sense of who should be playing is playing. And also, though, you have to uh, earn your stripes a lot of times, too. Mm -hmm. Unless you're a high draft pick, yeah. you're, not, you're not just thrown in there like that. Um, and right. So, you know, again, I just struggled with thinking I should play just like every everybody does as, as, at this level. And it yeah. was hard for me. And doing that, dealing with all of that, and then I don't know what it was exactly or how it really happened. But, yeah, that's what that point got me to. 
And uh, before then, I wasn't using anyone else. I wasn't using a therapist. I didn't have a sports psychologist, none of that. And um, I was also very, 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 I was always serious about the game. So I also was very serious and too serious to the point that like I would be, I'll come home, I'm watching film, but I would just, it would just be a very negative and uh, unhealthy situation for me. So where I was right. watching film all the time, I would come home, it would just be basketball, basketball, basketball. Like that was who I was. And it wasn't. And it took until like my wife one day was like, you have to stop coming home like this. You're not great to be around. You know, you need to find somebody to talk to. And I kept trying. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. Like I can figure it out. I'm going to break through it, blah, blah, blah. And I had to start talking to somebody and that helped. Um, that helped yeah. me a lot. And starting to understand what life really was about. And it was like, it wasn't about basketball. And it's not about basketball. You can still be great and be good at it. Um, and, and, and still enjoy your life. Like you don't have to just yeah. do basketball only, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what happened at that time. And it's a long story. I don't even remember everything from it, but that phone that I wrote all that stuff in, I ended up breaking that phone. And I never was able to see any of the stuff that I wrote in there. So I guess God must not have wanted me to go back. Well, sometimes, just, sometimes just getting it out, right. Just articulating yeah. it kind of, it kind of loses its power over you. Right. Yeah. It's like, maybe the purpose of that phone was just for you to be able to have a, a, a way to kind of, yeah. you know, get that stuff. Yeah, off well, your it, heart it definitely of was because also it was hard for me sometimes to explain how I was feeling too. So right when that happened, yeah. I just would write it down. So then I can be like, you know what, this is exactly how I was feeling at that time. Um, and then I suppose, you know what, I wrote this down. Like I can end up writing a book cause I know I'm going to get through this, which I can write a book anyway, I guess. But like I had for sure word for word, but again, it's, I don't even remember how, what this stuff was saying now, which is probably best, but it was like, it was some yeah. dark stuff as far as like this faith based and like not believing, like, do I believe why I believe? And then yeah. coming to the conclusion of all of it, that's what faith is. Right. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. That's exactly well, what faith is. Well, and I, you know, not to pub my own book, but I, you know, the reason that one of the reasons I wrote this book, being real is greater than being perfect is because there's a, you know, there's this reality that the people who were closest to Jesus felt the most comfortable being honest with him about their doubts, mm -hmm. uh, about their wounds, about, about their, their disappointments, yeah, you know, right. and yeah. Jesus met them there. Right. Mm -hmm. He didn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't put off by them. He invited it. Right. Um, he, he met Thomas in his doubts. He met Mary and Martha in their, in their, uh, you know, their grief over, over their brother's death. Like there were mm -hmm. some real life that he lived with people. And, and it's, you know, if we can't be honest with God about those things, then what kind of relationship can we really have with him? Yeah. Right. 100%. And so just your, your, uh, your willingness to kind of be vulnerable with God opened your heart up to experience more of his presence and more of yeah. his, his power in your life. I love yeah. that. That's what that allowed me to do because I was for sure able to be that way because of the faith that I had before then. So where I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I know the things I'm, I'm able to do, who God is as far as like what I'm able to do with them. I don't have to shy away. And I was able to be brutally honest. And that was important because if I wasn't, then it had been a lot longer process of getting through all that. Who knows if I would even would have even confronted it alone. So right. yeah, that, yeah. that base of growing up in, in the church and, and with people around us that prayed for us and loved on us and all that type of stuff was huge for us. You've mentioned a couple of different times identity and, and just kind of everything kind of revolving around basketball. I don't think you have to be a professional athlete to find your identity in something other than Christ. Right. Right. You can, it can be motherhood. It could be your job. It, mm -hmm. it could be your kids. 
and your the accolades that your kids get. How have you centered yourself? You know, you you are performing at such a high level. How have you defined your identity separate from what you do or your performance? Well, one, I realized that the only reason why I'm able to do this other other thing that's so extraordinary is because of God. So mm-hmm. that's where it starts first and foremost. Um, you know, even as simple as just thinking like basketball doesn't get me into heaven. So like what really matters to me? Being good at basketball and making it to heaven. Mm-hmm. And to me, it became, it, it became that simple. Um, yeah. But at the same time, though, I guess it wasn't always that simple because you would kind of, or I would kind of have it not necessarily be separated, but be separated. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian always. I'm going to play basketball, so I'm going to do this. But then, like, it's like, no, like, God needs to be a part of all of that. There's a book that I mm-hmm. almost finished reading. It's called Counterfeit Gods that, like, touches on all of yeah. this stuff. And it's a great book to read for anyone that, um, shoot, wants to get rocked. Because, <laughs> it, like, it's just like you said, you don't have to be a basketball player. It could be anything. It can Is be. It Tim Keller? Huh? Is it Tim Keller that wrote that? Uh, I can look and see. I'll, I'll, I'll find out and tell you. Cause I don't want to take it. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, put it in but the like, show. It notes. is really good to where it can even be in the sense of like, you're, you thinking you being a Christian and not being faithful, like, you know, doing this and this, and this is like, well, no, what does God ask you to do? God asks us to be faithful. Yes. Yeah. There are, uh, religious activities that, you know, we can do. And, but it's like, if we're doing those religious activities just to do it, and we're not changed, and, and it's just happen, and it's happening through us uh, organically, or through the through uh, uh, God working through us. It's like that's not the same thing. And so you're right. putting being righteous in your mind, or thinking what righteous is is doing these. Let me go and pray ten times. I gotta make sure I do it. Like no, God wants you to be real and faithful. Believe in Him, trust in Him, have a relationship with Him, not have a religion with Him. And so in that That's sense, good. you can even make religion a God, which a lot of us Christians do. And the way I know is because we judge a lot of people. So, <laughs> right. we judge it's the people, sad that that's what we're most known for. Exactly. So that's what like, I know when I say like living like a Christian, like, bringing people like, oh, here we go. It's like, well, no, I am a Christian and I'm in a, in a Christian in the sense of I'm not a religious, I'm not in a religion Christianity. I'm in the relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what I am. I believe in the Lord. Yeah. And I'm doing the best I can every day to do so, but I am no better than anyone else. I'm no better than somebody that doesn't believe. I just mm-hmm. am saved. So, yeah. fortunately, yeah. I'm in a. I'm going to be going into a place I know I'm going to be living forever. But I'm a sinner just like everyone else. And God and Jesus met us there. I'm not up there with Jesus coming down to me. Like right. no, Jesus is meeting me here every day in this place of sin. And so that's, good. that's what I mean by being a Christian, not, oh, you didn't do your communion today. <laughs> oh, you just said a cuss word. So, you know, God doesn't like, no, God forgives. Right. Period. <laughs> like, so if God yeah. can forgive, why can't I? If he's going to forgive me, I should be able to forgive. So yeah, that's what I mean by being a Christian and all that. You've been married a little over 10 years. Is that right? Just 10 in uh, August 30th. Okay, well, just yeah. over 10, yeah. yeah just uh, 10. How, how'd you meet your wife? Did you guys meet in college? No, we met in uh, Russell, Louisiana when I was five. <laughs> really? Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, so I've known her all my life. That's crazy. 
Yeah. So how did you reconnect once you moved back to California? Well, so she's one of, at that time, six kids. They're now eight. Her uh, dad and stepmom adopted two younger boys. But I was, we were family friends. So I'm telling you, like, we're, that's how close, like, everyone was. Like, I still have wow. friends. My wife and I both have friends that we speak to and see from that time. And all of us grew up in that church. And so, like, it's, it's crazy, one, how God works and how God is. But, you know, when those people come together like that, like, we're all still intertwined one way or another. And so my wife lived there for most of her life all the way until she went to college. But we left. Okay. Um, and, but she has family in L.A. So she, they would visit their family in L.A. And we would just see them as well. Um, but me and her, like, our friendship kind of really got going in high school when I came across her sister was on MySpace. Her older sister was on MySpace. I came across her sister, so I got her contact from her. And then me and her became best friends. And I ended up dating a different girl in college. She was dating somebody else in college. I dated a different girl for three years that I thought I was going to be with. But after college, and me and her, uh, her as in my wife now, um, ended up starting to date. And you know, it worked out because, again, she, I knew when we were kids, like her level of faith and stuff like that from a young age, I was able to see. So I knew who I was dealing with from a, you know, a long time ago. Um, and yeah. in our friendship, and encouraging one another and seeing each other to the word and, and God and praying for each other. And once I got out of the relationship and I was like, wait a minute, like, dude, right here. So. That's yeah, amazing. That I didn't know that. That's really yeah. cool. Really cool. How, <clears throat> you know, your, your lifestyle, obviously, if you look at, you know, from an outside perspective, it's a professional athlete and you get to go to all these great places, but you mentioned you've been traded, you've been cut. I mean, just since I've known you, you were playing for the Pacers when we first met. You got traded to Atlanta, then you went to Dallas. Sacramento first. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sacramento. Sacramento Yeah. That's how you guys got uh, Ty and everybody. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I even left one out. I I imagine that that can't be easy on a marriage relationship. It can't be easy on spouses and especially Mm -hmm. on kids. How, How have you guys tried to insulate yourself? as a family independent of all of the transition and all of the, the different yeah. demands that you, that yeah, you face. It's, it's tough on a individual uh, alone, uh, but being married and my wife's been there through all of it um, and having kids even took it to a, another level. And mm-hmm. fortunately, unfortunately we've done it a lot to where we, Kind of can we have it down to where we can do the best we can with whatever happens? Um, and each time I get traded, it's kind of it's done differently. Kind of it depends on if I'm trading in the summer, if I'm trading during the season. Like when I got traded to Sacramento, I they stayed in Indiana because we owned the house there. Yeah, they stayed in Indiana and would come and visit me when we had home games in Sacramento if it was long enough stints. But when I was in Sacramento, I stayed in the hotel. And then when they came, we'll get an Airbnb. And so what we do is we just try to find the ways that I could be able to see the ki- see my kids, see my wife. Um, that makes sense with, you know, them going back and forth to where they didn't put too much on them. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot on my wife, period. Right. Like, so she's yeah. the one yeah. holding the load of the family. And I'm while I'm like holding the load of doing my job, which is a lot on me as well. So it's like it's a tough space to be in. Yeah. Um, and every time I get traded, especially during the season, it is challenging because 
and trying to deal with all that, but then be focused enough to play and play well, which, you know, how you are matters as far as how you play. Now, yeah, you can get through some stuff and do some things, but like the healthier you're feeling, the more at peace you're feeling, the better you're going to play, the better you're going to be. So, right. uh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure I, just put, I put on myself in those situations from trying to be the best father and husband I can as well as the best player, and it's just very, very difficult. Um, yeah. And it's even difficult well, to I, I, uh, leave. So it's like, it's not the same thing, but still, I'm leaving. I could be gone. Like one one month, I was only home every Wednesday of the month, and that was it. And it's like, my wife is wow. just holding the load, dude. And, it's, and she's yeah. great. Um, and I'm thankful and blessed to have her. I know she's probably tired of all of it, <laughs> but, you know, she's been holding it down, man, and doing a great job. Well, I kind of got a, a little glimpse of this. I think you guys were, I think you guys, had moved because cause your family eventually moved to Atlanta. Yeah. Right. From, uh, but you had sold the house in Indianapolis mm-hmm. that was in the, that was in the Indianapolis stars, you know, front page on channel 13's yeah. uh, website. <laughs> um, but then I'm watching HGTV. And for those that aren't outside of Indiana, you may not know that two chicks and a hammer have a show on HGTV. Mm-hmm. They had done renovation on your house and HGTV is running a rerun of that show. Yeah. After you've already moved out of that, that house and you're living in Atlanta, I text you a picture. I'm like, I'm watching you on TV right now. Like the there was night, roots that you the had first put. night they aired it was the f- first night we were actually out of the house in the Airbnb in Indiana on my way to move. So that's the first night they aired it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. But it's like, it, it kind of, uh, you know, I kind of like had this reality check of like, your whole, your whole life is, is turned upside down. Yeah. Right. And every, everybody, you know, everybody loses jobs or everybody gets transferred or everybody has to move for their work, but not everybody is, you know, playing or in one, one city one night and then the next city, the next night yeah. waiting on a physical before they're able to play. I mean, it's just a, it's just such a, yeah. um, such an extreme, uh, pressure not just on you, but on your family. And so I, you know, I, I know that that has to take a toll and, 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 you know, having a, having faith is probably something that you guys lean on quite a bit to get through those seasons. Yeah. I mean, NBA is like the epitome of the show must go on. And mm. uh, again, I guess that's why we get paid so much to do our job. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough because like when I got when I got traded to Sacramento, I was on the road in Atlanta. We were supposed to be playing the game that day. I was like, no, you got traded. We got our stuff. We got on the plane. We were in Sacramento. Did our physicals, and they had us ready to we played the next night. Like, you know, it is what we signed up for, I guess. But yeah. at the same time, man, it's a lot of times you just don't get treated like being a, a human being. But, again, we get paid to do this. So it's like it comes with a job. Do you want to do it or you you don't? Right. What if, what, are there any specific things that you and your wife try to like bake into your relationship time away or vacations or date nights or how how do you guys build your personal relationship with each other to sustain some of the pressures that you guys are going through? Yeah. Um, once we get settled and things like that, we do try to, uh, we usually have a date night for sure. When I'm there, especially on days off, we have a day night. During the summer, we have we have at least one vacation that me and her go on alone, at least one. Okay. Um, 
And then sometimes she even will come to see me on the road and leave the kids as well. So yeah, we try to put some stuff in there, which doesn't ever seem like it's enough, but we try uh, to do yeah. those things. Um, which we haven't really, for our anniversary this year, we did do something this summer, but we just moved to Denver about a month ago. So we're still like in the middle of like hitting that. Don't even have a baby, excuse me, a babysitter yet. Like in the middle of doing that, we took a trip to Vail. We had our old um, babysitter from Indiana who we love come out and watch our kids, which was like, I trust her. Like she's a sister of mine. So we went to Vail and had a good time doing that. But yeah, it's hard. Cause like right now we're just, in the thick of it, trying to keep our head above water, and the season's about to start. Um, yeah. So hopefully, yeah. we get a nanny or a babysitter or somebody soon to where we can kind of do those times. But usually, we have a date night to where we will um, go and do some things ourselves and just try to, you know, feel like it's, it's stuff for our relationship again. Um, which, again, you know, sometimes it feels better than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, for those that don't know, you have two brothers. Well, you have you have three siblings. Mm-hmm. You have two brothers that are in the NBA. Your sister played at a high level of basketball as well. Yeah. But how how cool has it been to kind of share that experience of being with your brothers in the NBA? Such an elite group of people in general, but then to have two brothers there. What have what have you learned from them over the course of your career? Yeah, it's been great, um, and it's also been you know. A- complete blessing for me to be able to play with I played with both of them um at this level me and Drew's time wasn't much but like be able to play with Aaron with two separate teams like that time with him like I wouldn't you know change for much of anything because I missed a lot of his basketball uh, when he was younger because I'm seven years older than he was um yeah but yeah I mean first when Drew was in the NBA before I was I learned a lot you know knew what to expect uh knew how to work um and he kind of helped me have a level of comfort uh, at, at, at being at that level, if that makes sense. I was like, you know, I'm already playing against people like this. Like, this is, you know, nothing to me. Uh, even right. confidence, too. Like, yeah, you know, you know, let me know I'm good enough. And, again, working out with him, working out with other NBA players, just being able to build that confidence. Um, and then also with Aaron, like, it's been good for me and Aaron to be together because I'm seven years older, so I've been through a lot of stuff he's been through already. And so for us to – for me to kind of be there for him and then to yeah. both of us to deal with – like the same thing I'm not playing together in Atlanta, like having each other has been, was like, again, one of the most amazing things. I'm glad like we were teammates. I had him as a teammate going through that la- this last year in Atlanta and them decided not to play me anymore. Like that was uh, another time. It's crazy. I go to Atlanta and that's the times when they're really like double trying to, trying to challenge me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and both times I grew tremendously in my faith. Um, and this last time, man, the people that I met, the, the, I got I met a great community of uh, believers that were there, that were there from myself, my my wife. My wife finally had a community. Like being in Atlanta from a uh, faith standpoint was amazing for us. Uh, but you know, basketball wise, it wasn't the greatest. But hey, it's all good. Yeah. Um, what is being a dad? How how's becoming a father? How's that changed you? How's it changed kind of your perspective on? basketball how long you want to play things like that yeah being a dad changed changed everything um especially my perspective on life and what's important and what's not um it also helped me to uh get away from basketball when i left it so like mm-hmm. when we're done working you go home it's like you know i'm here i'm home i gotta be a dad you gotta be a husband um yeah. so yeah being with my 
what was my first, my daughter at that, that time, but now having two daughters, like it just allows me to, you know, kind of, again, be who I am supposed to be and not kind of what I do. And um, it's been great. It's just a lot, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Lot, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but well, they're getting old enough too to like recognize oh yeah, you on TV and, oh yeah. and know, you know, kind of enjoy the games. Me, they call me a different name. Well, they call me my name, but they call me the name the way the announcers do when it comes to basketball. So like, Daddy, how? You know, they're like yelling like, like that. <laughs> so yeah, they know. Uh, like my That's oldest awesome. is very, very attentive to where she like, she saw one of my teammates playing in the FIBA World Cup and he's Serbian. And she's like, that was Daddy's teammate. Like, so she knows. Like, they know. That's cool. Um, but now, do they? I don't think they know as far as like the whole famous thing. Right. Like, people are, like call my name. They're like, Daddy, why are they calling your name? But like, I don't. They don't understand like what being in that many in front of that many people really looks like. They just think it's normal. A day plays basketball, and that's it. Which I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have two girls also at the same time. As far as like doing basketball and them seeing it is not. They like basketball, but they don't like it like that. It's not like I have a son that wants to play, or even if I had girls that want to play like that. So that's kind of uh, cool because it's like, I, good, I, you don't need to worry about being a basketball player because I, I don't want them to have that pressure. Right. But if one of them wanted yeah. to, I think it's also dope for them too to be able to see me play um, and see me work and uh, at least be able to see me work a good amount because a lot of times you know, kids don't get to see their parents work. They just hear that their parents work. And I think it's important for children to know that their parents work you know you know you have to go and do your job each day that's something i've been trying to talk to them about lately it's like your job is to do which your job their job now is what they eat you know go to school stuff like that but like you have to do your job no matter what is going on like i i have to do my job you have to do your job so for them to understand that uh, i think it's important so i think it's cool that they can see me do my job and it's just playing basketball instead of being at the office or something that's cool Maybe last last question, or maybe second to last question. What do you? What is one? What is one thing that God is teaching you these days? As you kind of go, you're moving to a new city with Denver, new opportunity. You're gonna have a new role. What What do you feel like God's teaching you these days? Uh, to trust, to trust in Him and that He will provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, oh, let me see if I can articulate this the way I want to. Um. think he's trying to teach me this or something I do want to learn or want to improve on is to be able to have peace and to be able to get to that place of peace, no matter what the situation and circumstances are. So, which sounds like, oh, you can just have peace or sounds maybe kind of boring. But when I say that, I mean, to be, I want to be in a position where like, say if I end up not playing again, that I am the joyful Jesus believing Justin every day I come in um, and not, I mean, for myself, not just for other people and being an example, but for myself. So I actually am in a place of just letting God handle it. Uh, yeah. I think we get caught up a lot of times in the goals that we want and the things that we want to achieve. And it's it's hard because God wants us to believe we can do these things. And, you know, if I'm a believer, I believe I can do it. So if I don't get it, I'm going to be upset. Uh, but right. it's to understand, it's like, you know, you believe you do these things and like I've, God's made us to have freedom of choice and to do all this, but understand that I am in control and that I have in mind and in store what is best for you, which doesn't mean you make a hundred million dollars is, is that doesn't mean that your idea of success is that 
So I want to be able to be open to whatever God has for me, um, continuing to believe that he's going to provide for me and my family, which he has. Um, but also being able to, like I said, to, to have that peace. Uh, and the only way I can have that peace is, again, truly believing that Jesus has this under control. So living for him intentionally, I guess I can say to kind of sum it all up together. And that's not just with basketball. You know, to kind of like let basketball be, again, something I do and something yeah. I use to be able to reach people uh, through the Lord and something I do at a competitive level and something he's blessed me with 100 percent. Like it's it's so hard to talk about being a Christian and living because it's like so many ways you can go about thinking about it. But it's like, no, God wants you to be God made me to be a competitor. At the end of the day, he made me to have this confidence to think that I can go and beat somebody at doing this job. At the same time, there's times when I don't achieve the things I want to achieve. So now what are you going to do? It's not about yeah. what you can do. It's about what God can do. So just to continue to understand that, continue growing that is what I'm trying to get to and what I believe he's trying to uh, kind of teach me. At, shoot, maybe my whole career. Who knows? <laughs> well, it's hard because you have to have like this supreme confidence to be at the elite yeah. level that you're at. But then at the same time, it's like, how does humility fit with confidence and how do you not become arrogant like there's the, there's a balancing act between yeah. you know the the level of confidence that you have to have and then also just a level of um you know uh contentment right yeah. like yeah <laughs> and that's hard as a competitor yeah, because being okay the, tough, the essence right? of competitiveness is i'm never going to be content i always have to drive and exactly. strive and and so there's there's that balancing act that I'm sure that you're walking that tightrope all the time of trying to maintain that Christ-like humility while at the same time not leaving anything up for grabs and on the table and, and making yeah. sure you're giving it your all and, and going after it. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a hard, a hard fence to, to play on of, of yeah. trying to go between the two. And like my, the biggest thing for me is just being, being able to be okay with the outcome. Mm. And if you're not okay with the outcome, and I'm not saying like being okay with just something horrible happening, but like get to the point to where you're like, you know what, God, you have this. And that means you don't completely trust in the Lord. And I want to right. completely trust in the Lord. Uh, that's more important to me than my success at basketball. But again, yeah. it's just so hard because I am so competitive. And it's like, I struggle with like, I'm competitive. I, and I'm, you've seen me work out. So you know how I work out. I worked on this, this, and this. Why am I not doing this? It makes no right. sense to me. Well, I went through a whole season of that, you know, well, you know, I mean, you and your family came to our Easter service literally the week before we closed the church. Yeah, crazy. And, and you know, so you, you put your whole life into something, you put your whole effort into and you, something that you feel like God's calling you to do. And then, you know, you wrestle with, okay, how did I fail and what did I not do right? And, and, and at the same time, it's like, okay, God has something more in store for me. And so I can't stay in this feeling of failure. I have to go right. forward and, and pursue whatever he has next. But it, it is very difficult, especially I'm, I'm wired for achievement. I'm wired for, you know, for accomplishment. Mm -hmm. I, I have goals. And, and so to, to be able to kind of put my own agenda aside and go, okay, God, whatever you have for me, I'm open to that, even if it's right. not what I thought it was going to be. And that's, that's hard. Yeah, it's very hard. And I, I believe that God uses those achievements, those and those goals for us, for us to get to where He does want us to go. Uh, I had a mentor of mine tell me a story of when he used to 
uh, I think he used to preach or work with youth group, and he had uh, he had a student standing in the corner blindfolded, and they were supposed to come towards to wherever he was in the whole group of kids. And so he was supposed to, and so in doing so, he was making a certain noise, and the kids was come, but everybody else was making noise around you. And so his the goal was for the kid to make it to him. And so what he ends mm-hmm. up doing is he ends up moving in the middle of it. And so, yes, your goal was for you to be where, whatever that was and going in this direction, but because you're going to do it, you're getting eventually to where God wants you to be, but it might not be for that goal. And so uh, when he said, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It's like a lot of the times, like we, again, cause you, just like, you know, you have these goals and you know, I can do it and you know, you can achieve it. That's the thing. Like God wants us to believe we can do it. So it's like, I know I could do all this and you hundred percent believe it. And it was like, that's yeah. what's supposed to happen because you believe it. And a lot of right. times it's not. It's like what God has for you is supposed to happen. But you might not know what that is. He just needs you to go in this direction for this right now to be able to get there. And it's like, are you willing to be okay with that when that time comes, if that time comes or not? And that's kind of like the the place that I've been working to and where I'm at. And you know now I'm in a better place, way better than I was before. When I was like, no, it's supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to be making this amount of money. I'm supposed to be here my whole career. I was supposed to get drafted, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. Uh, but again, we still have that fire in us regardless. So it's like, at the end of the day, you still keep going. And yeah. uh, and at the end of the day, God, can, God still keeps using us. Like, it doesn't matter if we do it the way we think we're supposed to, right? Like, you can fail at something and it did exactly what God wanted you to do or for whoever it was, if it was you or someone else. So a lot of people right. think it's like, dang, I messed up what God had for me. It's like, no, you didn't. You just have yeah. to learn, and God's trying to get you to learn something. And what you did, obviously, if you're believing in the Lord and not just straight going astray, God can use you regardless. And we can go in the Bible and talk about a whole bunch of people God used, even people with hardened hearts that He used that's right. to get that's right. You know the, the the stuff done. So that's the one thing. At least is like you might be failing or might not achieve what you want to achieve in this world from your own personal standpoint, but understand that you're not failing God because he still loves you, one. And two, he, he's still going to use you, period. That's so good, man. So good. Justin, thanks so much for taking time uh, on on the off season. I know you, you worked us in to a trip that you're, you're taking, yeah. like a one-day trip you worked me in. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate no your support and encouragement and just uh, the relationship that we've been able to build over the last few years. You've been so kind to, to me and to my son, Isaiah, and um, just really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you, man. And if Isaiah does ever want to go to a basketball game, I don't know if he wants to get to that, but if he ever gets around to it, let me know and y'all can come out and check us out. <laughs> I definitely will, man. I definitely will. Thanks yeah. again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with NBA basketball player Justin Holiday. And Justin is a world champion, and he's also a former Indiana Pacer. Those two things did not happen at the same time. He was with the Golden State when he won the World Championship, but he's one of my favorite Pacers of all time. So I'm grateful for the conversation. Trish and I are back the first Tuesday of November with a brand new episode and a brand new theme for the month of October. We're going to be talking about conflict and forgiveness. How do we navigate forgiveness in our relationships, uh, forgiveness in our marriage? How do we navigate conflict uh, in friendships? And what is the process of forgiveness look like? And we're going to have some incredible guests in the month of November. So we hope you join us. Uh, for our next episode, the first Tuesday of November. Have a great week.